welcome to your best riding life. An extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Riders Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. And each week I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you, my friend, excel in your craft. And I am so very glad that you're listening in today. During this episode, we're going to be talking about writing trends for children. And I don't know who better to bring on than my industry expert, Michelle Medlock Adams. Michelle is a New York Times best-selling ghostwriter and an award-winning author of more than 100 books, including Springtime for Your Spirit, Cuddle Up Prayers, and Dachshund Through the Snow. Michelle is married to her high school sweetheart, Jeff. They have two married daughters, five adorable grandchildren, two diva dogs, and two kitties. Michelle, it is such a pleasure to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, the first thing we'd like to do, Michelle, is take a peek behind the personal curtain of your life, if you'll allow us that. And could you share something that we might not read in your bio? <laughs> that could be scary, Linda. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's funny. I've been on a, several writing conference staffs, right, where they'll say, hey, share something. Like, they'll share three true things in one false thing or vice versa and have people you know, figure it out. And no one ever guesses this, but this was kind of a cool thing to happen to me many years ago before Jeff and I got married. Uh, we had broken up and I knew he was the one, but we just couldn't quite get along. I think part of it might've been that he was the only child and I was the baby. And, you know, you know, the personality things going on there. <laughs> and we had broken up and then we'd, we'd gotten back together and, and we, we were saying, this is it. This We're going to stay together. We know that God's put us together. And I did a long distance dedication with, do you remember the old top 40 with Casey Kasem? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, I was a diehard listener. I remember every Sunday back in the day when there were tape recorders, I would tape it. I mean, how sad is that? That's how old I am. And I just loved Casey Kasem. So I wrote, I'd written a poem. I've always been a writer called After All. And it was, and it was based on this song that was put out by Cher and Peter Santerra called after all, and it, I remember the chorus is after all the stops and starts, we keep coming back to these two hearts. So inspired by that song that was popular, then I wrote this poem. And, and then I wrote this letter to Casey Kasem just saying, you know, kind of telling our whole story, how God had brought us together when we were, I mean, he was my very first date <laughs> when I was in high wow. school and how I just didn't think it could be that easy to find your soulmate when you're, you know, 14 years old. I couldn't even date till I was 16, but I met him at 14. And, uh, and anyway, he, he played it. He read the letter. He read the poem and he played the after all song as the long distance dedication. And they didn't let me know it was going to be my cousin in Kentucky heard it and called me and said, Oh my goodness, you're a star. <laughs> and I said, what are you talking about? And so I was able to get a, a copy of the recording. I still have it. And that was just a really neat thing for, for Jeff and I, it's been over 30 years ago since we were married, but uh, so that's something most people don't know, but that was my, my first, I guess, public uh, announcement that I'm a writer. <laughs> I was still in college and I had that poem read um, to all those listeners. That was such a fun thing. What a fun thing. And since it's the top 40 countdown, that's something you need to have out and play for your 40th anniversary. Oh, that is such a good idea. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, today, today we are talking about writing trends for children. 
And those of you that are familiar with Michelle, you know that she has amazing children's books, but she has a lot of publishing under her belt. So you know that she stays up on everything that's going on. We've got a lot of information for you. You're going to want to hear every moment of it, so I'm not going to delay any longer. Michelle, do children's trends follow the same trends as in adult publishing? That's a great question. They often do. It sometimes takes a little longer for it to filter through, but it's not always the trends that are in adult publishing. And when I say adult publishing, I don't mean <laughs> the, the raunchy publishing. I just mean publishing for adults. <laughs> you have to always make that clarification, you know. Uh, but some of the things, yes. So if if something is is trending in, in uh, fiction for adults, that'll find its way into middle grade eventually. But some of the nonfiction topics that we deal with that we then maybe take to story in children's are the, those evergreen topics. So I, I, the trends that never seem to go out, out of style, they just continue to, they'll have, they'll just have their go rounds. Like, you know, if leg warmers make their way back from the eighties again, like it's like, Oh, it's not new. It's just, it's just back again. That's the kind of thing that's happening in children. Some of the things that were old or new again, it's just finding a new way to, to present it to today's children because they're much more savvy. Um, they, you know, they're very tech, heavy. Like they know how my, my three-year-old granddaughter, Ren knows more about my iPhone than I do. I mean, it's just mm. crazy. So it's learning how to keep their attention, but the same things that are in their hearts, the same broken pieces in children, the same things that need to be uh, built up or loved on, those things really don't change. They, you just have to find a new way to address them. And that's, that's sort of what we've been seeing a lot that, uh, like, for instance, one of the trends is self-esteem. Well, self-esteem hasn't, that's not a new thing. I mean, I remember reading self-esteem books when I was a little girl, and then it was before that as well. But it's, it's a different way of saying it now. And, and, oh, and then it really kind of piggybacking onto that is um, inclusivity and diversity. All those three things kind of blend together. They mesh to, together very well in children's publishing. And that, that's been going on for a couple of years, and it's supposed to continue. And I hope that it does. So not only are we telling kids you know, that they should be excited about who God made them to be and that, that God has a big call on their life, according to the word of God and saying it in kid-friendly terms, but we're also saying, and you need to celebrate you, but you need to celebrate others and the call and the uniqueness of, of their personalities and, and who they are and what they're going to do big for God. So it's, it's recognizing not just the things that God's put in you, but in your classmates or in your siblings as well. And then the diversity uh, part to put in there. And I love Edwina Perkins. She's kind of our sensitivity reader on many things for our publishing company, Ingame Press, Victoria Duerstock founded, and I have an imprint there called Men and Bear Books. And she's she's just been invaluable because we need her voice to make sure that we are we are being sensitive to every kind of reader, every every race and every culture. And and she has been so instrumental in that. So I think it's important that we do we follow these trends, but that we follow them well, that we do it with um, with some preparation and with some some real lots of prayer going in this to make sure that we're really touching the hearts of these kids, no matter where they are in the world or or what background they have or or even their, their home life situation. We just want to be able to reach every child with, with some of our books. And so I think one of the trends I would say besides the diversity and the self-esteem and the inclusion would also be those felt needs. You and I were talking a little bit about that before we started, weren't we? <laughs> right. We were. We were. Felt There's needed. an importance there. Well, it's really, it's such a, a need right now. And I think that 
is definitely something that is following what's going on in the adult world of publishing is that you're seeing lots of books about, you know, self-care and, and um, like sacred rest, right? Those kinds of things where you need to just take care of yourself and, and, and love yourself and let, and let God love on you and just to rest in his arms and in his peace. We're, we're needing that because of what we've just come through. My goodness, I mean, this pandemic, it, it not only, um, I mean, we, we lost my brother-in-law, who's also was my pastor to COVID. I mean, he, he's been in heaven now a year and a half. And that, you know, nothing can prepare you for that kind of loss. Mm-hmm. So there's been a lot of loss and there's been, uh, kids haven't been able to see their grandparents that for over a year at, at times because they were of the virus. You know, it kept us separated and we couldn't go to church and we couldn't worship together because of the virus. And so having come through this, this pandemic, the kids who were just in starting school or in school, I mean, even getting back into school now where people are going back to school full time has been very scary. Some of them don't know a normal school year. They've never had one yet. You know, the, some of the middle grade and the older kids miss important milestone things. Like my niece, who's now a freshman in college, she missed her prom. They didn't have prom because of COVID. Nobody wants to miss their senior prom. You know, those are, those are there were just lots of things that happened because of what, what hit the world. With, with, we didn't know it was, we were completely surprised. God wasn't surprised, but we were all surprised and, and how we had to deal with that. So of course, these books that are, that are ministering to us as adults, they need to be written and to minister to the kids as well, because they are dealing with fear and anxiety. I just read a study the other day that said that one in four kids are dealing with anxiety. One in four. I mean, that's a huge percentage. So if we're not addressing that through our books, then we're missing it. We're missing what, what is an opportunity to really go in and and touch these hearts and encourage them, let them know that they that God didn't give them a spirit of fear, what the word says. So we have, and because of that, that's what, that's what we've been doing. We've been producing lots of books like that. Uh, and, and we're hearing from the pastors and, and the, the homeschool um, community that this is what they've been looking for. Not that we're the only ones doing it, but we certainly are. We didn't just say, hey, this is a trend. Let's jump on that. We said, my goodness, this is a need. Let's fill it. That said, Michelle, when trends come, how does a children's writer say if they're a new writer, they have a thought that would fit with the trends that's going on? Publishing is kind of a crazy place. Is there time for them to jump in? What can they do? That is a great question. And, and if we, you know, if we knew the future, <laughs> we'd all hit those trends before they became trends. But I will say, I think knowing kind of who you are as a writer and what your brand is. So for instance, this is a great example. My friend, Jan Johnson, so we've made her Janet Johnson. She's sort of a grief specialist, an expert. Nobody wants to be an expert in grief, but if life presents itself that way, um, then, then you become one. And so through circumstances, she has written quite a bit for adults about grief uh, based on her experiences. And I, we have one of her books. She sent it to us after my brother-in-law died. It's powerful. She's very, very well thought of in that community. And she continues to minister there. God's called her there. She came to me a couple of years ago at a writer's conference and said, I believe there needs to be a book about grief from this perspective. What do you think? And I, I absolutely, there's a need for that. You're right. I believe that would be great. You should write this. She said, well, I'm not a children's writer. I really need to partner with somebody. She said, I was hoping you'd pray about that as if you're the one. And I, you know, I, I get a lot of people ask me to do books with them and I don't just say yes to everything. And I didn't know Jan as much then, but I said, yes, um, I will pray about that. And actually God's been dealing with me about doing a book because the only book I ever recommend is one called The Rough Patch, which is a wonderful book. I love it. It's one of my favorite books about grief, but it's not from a Christian worldview. It's still great. Yeah. I still love it. So I, I just sort of put it, you know, what you do, you put down the back burner and say, Lord, 
if this is a view, then, then I'm going to wait for you to sort of um, prod me about this a little bit more. But I, I believe this is a view. So just talk to me about this when I've got time to listen, <laughs> because I was at a writer's conference, you know, how busy it is. And he did. Right. We revisited it. And then when my brother-in-law passed, uh, we realized at the church that a lot of the little kids were hurting. And I didn't have, not that there aren't some great books out there that are Christian themed for children, but there weren't any recent ones. I couldn't find any that said exactly what I wanted them to say, to help them understand what we were all going through as a church and as a body of believers, watch, you know, having lost our pastor. And so God brought that back. You need, you need to write that book. You need to write it with Jan. So Jan and I put together this book called Fly High. We have one that's Christian worldview. And we have one that's general market. So we can take those into this, the public schools as well as address the need that we saw where there was a void in the marketplace. So that is that is one way. So that was already Jan's platform. She didn't want that to, that, not like she necessarily said, I want grief to be my platform, but that is what has God has, that's just her spot. God has, has had her just to speak into our lives, those of us who struggle with grief. So we're going to be able to take that mantle and take it down then into to the children's level and be able to really minister those little precious hearts that are hurting. What a beautiful thing. So that my advice then would be based on that example is that there's, if you're already called to, to speak into something, like maybe you teach on, on something like Jan, something very serious. Maybe you are somebody who teaches on, um, on how to um, really feel good about yourself and the person that God made you to be. Well, that's already something you're writing about for women. Why wouldn't you want to take that same powerful message to children? Because trust me, the earlier they learn that, the better off they're going to be. So that I, I think that's one way that you can, without feeling like I'm just selling out and jumping on the next trend so I can get something published. And what if I jump on this trend and then it's no longer a trend by the time I get my proposal done, I get it in the hands of editors and they put it on their publishing program that could be two to three years. We know it takes a while. I always say our, our industry is sort of like hurry up and wait. <laughs> that is how it always is, right? So rather than, than worrying about that, I would just not worry about that so much and, and ask God to show you how whatever he already has you speaking into, whatever you're already writing for adults, how can that message then be taken to children and would that be appropriate? And most times the answer is yes. You just have to figure out the best way to do it. And here's the best news. God will help you. You don't have to figure it out by yourself. So right. uh, and you can take some practical workshops and things too from experts in the industry. But that would be my advice is, yeah, identify what the trends are and see if there's some way that whatever you're writing already can be worked into that to speak into those kids' lives. And we can even be doing this, as you say, where does he already have us speaking into someone's life? Mm -hmm. And if it's an adult, how can that be addressed to children in a way that would help the complete family unit? Yeah. And, you know, it may not be a trend yet, but if you're asking father and he gives you something, don't hesitate. Amen. Start writing it out because he prepares us. He has our path. He Timing to him is perfect. Amen. When we feel it and hear it, and like you said, check your motives, mm -hmm. check your motives. Amen. If motive is self, yeah, it's real difficult to, you know, that doesn't really align with how Father works in our life. And so, Lord, what can I do with this? I really feel impressed to do something. Start writing it out and the timing will come. And then also, and I think this can be difficult, Michelle, for some of our writers, especially aspiring writers, to let people know that they're writing, mm -hmm. to let people know that they have an idea. They get nervous. They're afraid. Well, someone's going to take my idea and run with it. 
or, you know, oh, I'm not really a writer. And that's something we could probably address in depth at, at another time. But an encouraging word maybe that you would have to that one who's like, I really have this idea. Should I just put it down on paper? How do I get it out to people? How do I let them know? So I, and you're exactly right. I, I don't know how many times people, even at the one-on-one appointments at, at Blue Ridge and, and other conferences for those 15 minute appointments, now that I'm on the other side of that as a publisher, um, people are, are sort of afraid to share their ideas for fear that someone will overhear or, or that, you know, heaven forbid that the publisher would just take it and hire somebody else to write it. And it, listen, that stuff happens, not so much in the Christian industry, but it has happened. I, it happened to me once. So it's not, that's not like that's an unhealthy fear that can happen. But here's what I can tell you. And all the years I've been in publishing, which is more than I care to mention, because that'll give my age away, <laughs> is that we, we have to just trust the father in all of this. He's exactly what you said, Linda. He's already ordered our steps from the beginning of time, all of our days has written. And so he already knows your beginning to your end. And so I just will, you just have to trust him in it. Lord, I'm nervous about this, but I'm asking you to help me to speak to the right person. You know, the person that needs to partner with me in this project, you know, the publisher, you've already, you already have the publisher for this or direct my steps. Like you tell us that you will in Proverbs so that I will meet up with this person. Even if there were no openings at this particular conference that maybe we'll have a nice lunch together or I'll meet up with them in the bathroom. That happens sometimes when you're washing your hands at the sink and, and you begin to talk. Lord, I just thank you for those divine appointments that I'll be able to share my heart. And that'll be the person that you wanted to hear it. That he'll have those things. It's happened to me over and over. I could give you thousands of examples, not just of my own, but other people I've spoken with of how God will orchestrate those meetings. So that's the first thing I would say is not to be afraid and just trust your career to God. The second thing is let God define you. I've written blogs about this because I struggled with this myself. I, I came out of, I was a newspaper reporter. I was a sports writer towards the end of that uh, tenure at the newspaper or for the Associated Press. I was um, sort of a hard-nosed journalist I never dreamed I'd be writing for kids. I also never dreamed I would be speaking to thousands of people about writing and, and doing women's conferences and things. That was not something that I ever aspired to do. In fact, every time I had a speech class, I was a double major in speech communication and, and in journalism, only because it looked more impressive because a lot of my classes you know, overlapped. But I, I, I didn't even like to give speeches. I, I would get nervous, almost throw up every time. I, I just That was not something I liked. <laughs> I really didn't. I liked being behind the computer and just writing and, and expressing my my thoughts that way where I had a chance to edit myself. I loved all of that. I didn't want to do the other. So I, I mean, just a quick story. I was at a, a writer's conference. It was um, it was actually the CBA or the CRA now where you go and you sign books. You know, it's the it's the big thing where, where all the different bookstores come and all the people who own the bookstores and they come and they, they order your product and they get in line and they get free books and such a fun time. So I was there signing my book, Memories in Manger. And I had just turned down an opportunity to go and speak at this huge church out in Arizona. And I told the, the man, he was, he was on this, this show talking about a book for dads. And I had just written a book, a devotional for moms. So we were kind of bantering back and forth. And he said to me after the, the spot, he said, you know, I, I feel like my wife would love you. You should come and do, um, you should talk to our women's group. And he told me where they, it was in Arizona. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I appreciate that. And we exchanged cards. And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't say no right away, but I thought I'm never doing that. Like I'm just being cordial, but like I'm, that, that'll never happen because I don't want to do that. That's my sister. My sister is a preacher's wife. She speaks. She's the best I've ever heard. That Marty's a speaker. I'm not a speaker. And I, I told my husband about the whole thing, I, you know, when I got home and then it was time for us to go to Atlanta for this, for the CBA where I was signing. And I told him that night, but the night before my signing, I told him as soon as I get home, I'm going to call my sister and see if she would maybe want to contact this man. Cause I think she'd be great for their church. 
And Jeff said, are you sure that's what God wants you to do? And Jeff doesn't ever say much. How can you have uh-huh. a wife, right? Because I'm always talking, but but when he does, it's, it's always so wise. And I said, well, I don't mean, you know, I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm not a speaker. I'm a writer. And he said, okay, well, I just, I do, I would just check with God. And so the next day when I'm doing the signing, Linda, there's this huge line. And then, you know, cause it's a free book. Everybody wants a free children's book for their children or their grandchildren or something. And I ran out of books, but there'd been this lady kind of in the corner of the booth at Worthy, Worthy Kids for, for several, uh, probably 45 minutes. And she never got in line. And I felt bad because I thought she's waited this whole time and we're out of books. So I, as soon as I finished, I approached her and I said, hey, I just ran out of books. I'm, I, I have some in my garage at home. I would be happy to mail you one. I'm sorry that we ran out. She said, oh, I didn't come for a book. And then I thought, oh, okay. She's, and then I'm thinking, do I know her? Maybe I met her at a conference, but she's not wearing a name badge. So I, I can't even cheat to look down to see if I know her. And so, <laughs> you know, that's a terrible situation. And she said, uh, she, and, and so then I'm kind of panicking, thinking I need to find somebody to speak with her, maybe somebody from the booth. And she puts her hands on my face, which first of all, ew, like I'm really happy wow. to know her, right? And she puts her hands on my cheeks and she says, did God tell you that you're not a speaker? And I said, no, ma'am. She said, then quit saying that you're not a speaker and let God define you. And then she just left, mm-hmm. walked off. I don't know if she was an angel or just somebody that God gave a word to for me. I never saw her again, the whole conference or since then. But I'm telling you, you talk about the Holy Ghost goosebumps. And, and I thought it's like she had been in the hotel room the night before and heard me. And so from that moment on, I've never said what I'm not until God tells me what I am. So you, that, that is for somebody out there. You're saying, oh, I'm not a writer or God gave me this message, but maybe it's for somebody else to write. Don't, don't do that. Let God define you. Maybe you are a writer. You just didn't know it yet. So, so just ask him and he will open the doors. So don't be afraid to share your work and then also let him define you. And then just go forward in this with joy, not, not in fear, because it actually is one of the best feelings in the world when you're walking your calling. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it means you're going to have joy along the way. Mm, powerful. Very powerful. I, I truly believe that is a word for someone who's listening to this episode. Take it to heart, folks. God has a path, and his is the only one that we really want to be on. So pray about it. Let him open those doors and be alert to life around you. And go talk to that lady who's off in the corner. Yeah, you never know what God's going to do. Never know. In talking about trends, should writers focus on fitting in on the trends or to fill a need? We talked a little bit about fill a need. Or should they just write? What would be your, your word to that? I think a, a great place to start is just write what's on your heart uh, because you're going to be most passionate about that. We all have heart projects. That doesn't mean that the heart project is the first thing that, that gets published. It wasn't for me, but I still, I, I think I kind of cut my teeth on that, so to speak. I, I began writing what I knew. That was always what they said in journalism, write what you know. Well, I found I didn't know a lot. <laughs> I ran out of things to write about really quickly, but I love to research. And so as a journalist, I began to research things and then you get down that, you kind of go down the research hole where for hours you look up and you're like, when, when did it become nighttime? You've been researching all that time because I love, I love learning. So for me, nonfiction was a great, it was an obvious path for me to write, write things that were in the nonfiction realm. And there's also a huge opening in the nonfiction realm continues to be a, a outselling fiction in children's. And so if you are someone that is a truth seeker and you love to research and you love to, to go to the libraries all the time and, and just to learn things. You might be a great nonfiction children's book writer. 
And they don't, most people think they want to write the next, you know, fiction series. And maybe they want to do a time travel book and all those kinds of things. And that's great. There's a need for those. And I love those. And I love to write those and read those. But to be able to take something that is real, something that needs to be said, that kids need to learn and do it in such a fun way. They don't even know that they're learning. You're just sneaking it in there. What a cool ministry that is. What a neat thing to do. What a fun job. So maybe that's who you are. So I think a good thing to do is to ask yourself some questions and really do some introspection. What is it that you that really makes your, your boat float? What, what do you love to write about? What do you find yourself talking about when you get together with your girlfriends? Or what do you most talk about with your, with your spouse? What is it that makes you excited about life? And you're going to say, well, the Lord or, you know, whatever. But the Lord is going to be a part of all of that. But specifically, then narrow it down. It's sort of like when you're coming up with a talk and you have this big idea and you start narrowing it down and, and doing those idea bubbles. I do that a lot when I'm figuring out things to write. Lord, I feel you calling me to write about grief. I believe that was of you. So I need a story, Father. I know I want to talk about all the different stages of grief without saying this is bargaining or this is anger. Help me to do that, Lord. And then give me some ideas. And so then that's sort of, once I start on that path, it's okay to have some little rest stops and some little detours because all of those things are going to make the story even that much more rich. Just allow yourself to sort of explore that area. And that's how I often will come up with ideas that, that whether they're on trend or not, it's just something that my heart is wanting to write. And I, and I've got, I almost have to birth it before I can do something else. So I, I'd say start there and then look to see how, what you're writing, if it does somehow fit into something that is trending, maybe something that's a new story right now, or maybe it, it fits into an evergreen topic, like a back to school or a holiday. Holiday books are always trending in children's because we have the same holidays every year and we need new books to fill those, those slots for those holiday books. So holiday books are always going to be trending. Maybe you were the one to write the next best-selling Christmas holiday book or the next Easter book. I mean, I take Josie Seiler, for example. I don't know how many of you know Josie, but she's a precious woman of God. Met her through a, writer, a writing event. Actually, we first met online through some writing groups, which is, isn't it great that the internet can do that for us? And then she hired um, Platinum Literary, uh, and, and I was the one that she booked an appointment with. And we talked through her her children's book. And she her first book she brought to me, it was a fun book, but it, it didn't seem very marketable. But the second book that she had, this little Palm Sunday story, I loved it so much. And and she struggles with a disability and kind of a um, one of those those diseases that I I, don't, I never know what it is, but it's a chronic thing. And so she she's had to walk through that her whole life. And so she's empathy for kids who struggle with that. So she wanted an element of that, not to overtake the book, but to 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 let kids know that they weren't a mistake and that God made them on purpose for a purpose. Isn't that a great line? So who doesn't want their children to know that? And this beautiful book called Howie's Broken Hee-Haw was birthed. And it's about the little donkey that the Lord chose to ride on who'd never been ridden before. And in this particular retelling, Josie's little donkey doesn't know how to say hee-haw like all the other donkeys. Every time he tries, he says hee-haw hallelujah. And, and all the other donkeys make fun of him. And yet that's the one that God wanted. Jesus said, you're the one. You're, you're made on purpose for a purpose for such a time as this. And so that it's just, even as I share it, I, I get goosebumps. That book is it came out this year and it was a beautiful retelling. But so that was something that this, this is exactly what she did. She knew in her heart, she wanted to write something that would let children who are struggling with chronic illness or disabilities or some kind of a, of a handicap to know that they are not a mistake and that God can still do big things with them. It doesn't matter. Don't, don't, don't ever worry about that. So that was on her heart. She just didn't know exactly how to tell that, but God did. So holiday books, she's taken a lot of different classes about 
what's on trend, what sells. And she knew that holiday books sell every year because every year you need new holiday books. And that's exactly what she did. So she, she merged, God helped her to merge those two things. Something that's going to be an evergreen topic, like a holiday book. And then something that was on her heart or those heart projects and merged them. And this book did phenomenally well this year. It's going to continue to be one of those evergreen books. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to read it every year for Palm Sunday. It's just that kind of book. And the other thing about that is, is I've seen readers in, in the in-game booth. I saw a woman come and she was sitting on the couch reading this book. Uh, this was in January. And I saw tears coming out her face and I let her have her moment. And then I went over to see if, if I could help her. I knew she was going to place an order because she was in love with this book. And she began to tell me that she had as, has a daughter who has Down syndrome. And what a beautiful message this was to let her know that she was made on purpose for a purpose for such a time as this, that she wasn't a mistake and that because she's different, God can use that difference. And I, you know, so God will meet these readers. He's already prepared their hearts for your book. Yes. You have to be obedient to actually write it. Mm. Wisdom, such wisdom. <laughs> this is so, so wonderful. We do that. You just have to write it. Yes. Just write it. Don't hesitate. Come on, that's the enemy who's saying it. Nah, nobody. Oh, you know, we know Father doesn't speak that way. Holy Spirit never speaks to us with you can't. The Holy Spirit says, guess what? I'm right here. We can. Let's move forward. Let's do this. We can do this. Well, as, I have church right now. Woohoo! That's so good. Yeah, yes. There it is. That's what we're doing. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> well, let's look at then the trends in the general market and trends in the Christian market. Do ever the twain meet? Boy, is that a, that is, there are a couple of times. <laughs> and, and <laughs> not as much, but you know, I, I continue to be a member of the SCBWI, which if you're a children's writer, you know, that's the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators group. It's the governing body of children's writers and illustrators across the world. And so it's great to be a part of that organization and, and you get lots of, of training and they have workshops and they have they have two huge conferences a year on both coasts. It's just a really great organization, but it's not a Christian-based organization. Not to say there aren't Christians in it or Christians that would run it, but they they are equal opportunity people. So you're not going to always get the Christian message coming across what they're teaching, and that and you have to be okay with that. So first off, before you join and get mad at me, just know that there is there they're not going to always get Christian content coming out. But it's good to know what what they're what trends are out there and what is playing well in the general market. So I, I think that one of the things that has been a huge trend in recent years, as we just talked about, is um, books about inclusion and about family and about different kinds of families, right? So you've got a lot of books out there about that. Um, some of the books, if, if you have, are looking at from a biblical perspective, you might not want in your home. And I get that. Well, I, I, I kind of ran up against this, Linda. I got to put on my heart to write a book about family. And, and, and here's why my daughter married into a family, married a wonderful man named Micah Pace and his parents are, they fostered to adopt. So they fostered three little boys and they adopted them. So they're his, Micah's parents are the exact same age as Jeff and I, and they have three little boys now who are like, I think now they got them when they were newborn two and four. I think now they're, you know, five and whatever they're, they're older, but can you imagine being in your fifties and having a newborn and a two-year-old and a four-year-old? They did. They said, yes, God, we'll do this. And so mm. I've just been amazed and I've seen, I've seen the struggles and I've seen the love and I've seen how the family rallies around and how the other four children just embrace them as siblings. And I've watched this from afar and sometimes up close and it, it has, it has touched my heart in a huge way. 
And then my one of my very best friends in the world is Cecil Stokes, and he adopted, even though he's not married, he said I'm still called to be a dad. And he adopted Boone. And Boone calls me Aunt Michelle. I love that little boy. They, they've been together now for eight years. So I, this has touched my life personally. I wanted to write a book so that every child, no matter their circumstances, could find themselves in a book about family. Not just the mom and dad that stay together. They have one, you know, 2.5 children and a dog and a cat and a white fence. Because in reality, that's just not where we live anymore. That That is not the fallen world that we're in. We have lots of, of divorced homes. We have lots of, of situations where um, maybe there's only one parent or, or or grandparents are raising the children. I mean, there's there's just lots of different families, but that doesn't make it any less of a family. So that's what I want to write about. So I wrote a book called Love Connects Us All, which comes out next year. But I, I this and this is I have to say this gently so that no one thinks I'm being uh, judgmental or or biased or being ugly. But I couldn't just trust that book with any publisher. So if I sent it out to the general market, I knew I I was confident it was a good book. I knew it would get picked up. But if I didn't have any kind of control over the illustrations, I also knew that it wasn't going to fit my biblical worldview in the pages of that book. And and I, that's not to judge anybody else. That's just to tell you I wouldn't have been comfortable with it knowing the book that God gave me. So I had to have my agent, Kyle Young, um, take it, pull it back. I said, I, I just, there's, it's not the season for this. God, God will know. So I wrote this several years ago. I had no idea, but God knew that I would have my own imprint with Endgame Press coming out in 2023. I had no clue that would ever happen. I dreamed about it, but I didn't know God was going to fulfill that dream. I hadn't even, I hadn't asked him about it that much. I just, it was just a dream I hadn't journaled about. And so when, when that opportunity presented itself to me, well, see, now I can bring that book out under my own imprint. And I was able to talk with the illustrator about what I wanted. And so we're together doing this book that will be exactly how God showed me he wanted it to be. Like I already had the vision because it wasn't my vision. It was his. So sometimes God is going to give you something that will intersect both worlds, but it may be a, it may be a, it may be a time where you're going to have to wait to be able to bring it out in a different way. God may say, wait or not now, or don't go there just now. Wait, let me prepare the road. There are other books I'm doing with the general market that, that it was okay to do like these cuddle up books that are, that's always going to be a trend. It's a trend now. It'll continue to be a trend. It's an evergreen thing. Everybody's bedtime books, bedtime books, concept books, and um, those holiday books are always going to continue to be popular in children's publishing, both general market and Christian market. So talking about the cuddle up books, those bedtime books that you read right before the, the child drops off to sleep, you know, they're in your lap and you're having that moment together or they're in bed and you're cuddling them and you're reading a, a book about how much you love them. Always going to be popular. And those are the books that oftentimes will end up in the Walmarts and the Sam's Club and the Costco's and the Meyer stores and, and on the shelves of Target, even though they're Christian books, because we don't necessarily have a scripture in there, or we don't necessarily have, you know, um, a prayer at the end. But it's that it's based on the love of our Heavenly Father and the love He gives and puts inside of us to then give to our children. So we write it from that perspective. We don't have to have a big banner or a blinking sign on the front of the book that says, this is Christian content, but the content speaks for itself. And so that's what you call a crossover book. And those do very well in both the Christian world and in the secular world, in the general market world. So a book like I Love You Bigger Than the Sky that I did or uh, with where the kids can sell both places. Holiday books, what is Easter or some of those that Joe Roman Lord has done or that Crystal Bowman is in will sell both both places in the general market and in the Christian market. Because even if you don't go to church at all or you're not really a church person or you might go on Christmas and Easter and that's it, you're probably going to buy children's books about Easter and Christmas for your children, right? That's just kind of what we do. We put them in Easter baskets. We put them in stockings. That's what we do. So those are those are opportunities to then intersect. Um, you can have a crossover book that will sell well in both markets. It's a little trickier to do 
there's not a huge um, pack for that. It's a, it's more of a little tiny, um, maybe offshoot at this point, but there are ways in. And those are some of the ways. Nonfiction books are also another way that can you can be in both worlds. So if you're doing a book uh, about, let's say, um, I just saw a really cute book about the differences between animals. So animals that they may have, they may look the same like alligators and crocodiles, but they're different. And, but the, the whole point of this book, even though you're learning about the different kinds of animals that look the same, but they're very different, it can also be a lesson about, look, you, you may be looking at a classmate and thinking, we have nothing in common, but, and, and we look different and all that, but there's always something that's similar. So it was a book about differences and similarities, which is a concept book, right? That's something we teach kids to know when something's different and when it's similar. And we're teaching it through animals, but we're also, there's a deeper level. It's like a layered learning where we're also teaching that we need to look at the world that way and the people around us. You can always find something in common, even if you're completely different, or maybe you look alike, but you're very different, but you can still find that one thread that you can be friends about, find that thing. So this is how this book was written. And it's going to sell well, both in the Christian market and in the general market, because we, I, get, I think it is, is God's going to have you see what you need to see in that book. Have you ever been in church and the pastor preaches something and it hits you in a way and you're talking about on the way home with your spouse and he didn't hear any of that? He's like, right. well, are you in the same service? It's because God was giving you his own little downloadable moment there that he needed you to hear because you were going through something your husband wasn't. I think it's the same way in publishing. God will cause readers to get what they need to from your books. Just write them. Just be obedient to write them. And then don't worry so much about it being a crossover book. I think that kind of takes care of itself. But one way that you can do that, practically speaking, is not putting a prayer or scripture in it. Um, that will usually not get you in the, on the shelves at, at Walmart or in Target, although there, there is a, a, a small shelf of Christian books. But if you want to be on the big back wall in Barnes & Noble with all the picture books, not just the tiny two shelves of Christian books, there's a way to do that without announcing it's a Christian book. But it can still have Christian content. You just kind of sneak it in. And we do the same with Storybook Theater of Texas. We perform all over. We're Christians. It's not touted as a Christian company. And we are in public schools. We're in public venues all the time. Mm, I love but that. we offer Christian values. Those in the audience that are Christian, they will come up and go, I see you. <laughs> Those who aren't come up and go, that is amazing. I love how you, and, and so we pray, you know, before and after we perform and just for God to work and speak into the lives of those that we are, that 45 minutes can change a life and lots of stories with that, but, but you're right, just write it. And I like that. Thank you so much for bringing in what makes a good crossover book, because these are areas not to, and I like that you said don't concentrate on, oh, I'm going to make this of this. Mm -hmm. Just write it. That's right. And see what God is going to do with it. Amen. And that's happened several times for me in speaking. I'll be brought in. We, well, we know that you're, everything on your website says you're a Christian and all of this, but we'd really, we like your content. Can you do it for this organization? But don't make it a Christian talk. Yes. And I really had to pray about it. And Father gave me the, uh, I do a talk called the ABCs to a joy-filled life. And it's amazing how everyone wants joy. Yes. And so he used it and it was fabulous. And he sold out everything that I brought and everything that I brought was faith-based. 
I love that so, show. I, I was just like, oh, you're so good, you know, but, but he's like, don't box me up. You know, make a box set of books, but don't box up our God. That's, yeah, yeah. I like you so much. I just wish we lived closer because I'm pretty sure we'd be hanging around like, yes, amen. I yes. <laughs> <laughs> love that. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit. We've, we've mentioned your new children's book imprint. Please tell us a little bit about that. I'd, I'd really like to know Wren and Bear Books. Yes. So Give us a plug here. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you for letting me share, but I, I it's, the heartbeat of me right now. I'm so excited. So Rin and Bear Books is named after my two oldest grandchildren. Rin is the oldest little girl from my daughter, Allison, and Bear is our oldest grandson from my daughter, Abby, from uh, Jeff's my daughter, Abby. So we have Rin and Bear Books, which is, I mean, we came up with lots of names, but that's the one that everybody liked the best. And that was the one I liked the best too, but I was like, is it bad to name after my grandkids? <laughs> but everybody liked it. So you should see the cute little logo. It is the cutest. Uh, Beth Snyder did the logo for us. She's an artist for a book um, well, actually, the Fly High book I mentioned earlier, and she's she's an amazing artist. She's doing artwork for lots of people, um, uh, lots of different writers, and she's done a couple of our books at Endgame and, and now at Ren and Bear Books. But so Ren and Bear is a division. It's an imprint of Endgame Press. And when I came up with the tagline, I, again, it was a God thing. It's just faith and it's fascination and fun. I want kids to be able to to be encouraged and have that thread of hope in every book. I want them to be able to laugh and have fun and enjoy the journey. And I want them to be fascinated by, by looking at something, maybe a way they never looked at it before. That's what made me read as a, as a child. And that's what I want to do with these books. So I'm, I'm doing board books and picture books. I'm not going any older than that at this point. That's just sort of where God has me. That's where I mostly publish. And that's where I'm camped out Though we might do a devotional for um, ages eight to 12 and make it a compilation in, in a year or two. But this is where I'm at right now. And so I, I'm, I'm loving it. The first two books come out in uh, spring of 2023. Uh, Shannon Cook is one of our writers. She's a brand new um, picture book writer. She's a teacher. And I love her. I met her at a conference years ago. Actually, we connected again at Blue Ridge this last year when I was there teaching. And she showed me a book called I Made the Earth. And it was a Christian perspective of Earth Day. I'd never seen it before. And I thought, again, Linda, it was like, that's so needed. I mean, we want to celebrate Earth Day, but we want to do it from a biblical perspective. That's right. I was so excited. I'm like, this is genius. Why is this not published? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, it needs to be published. Little did I know that I could publish it in two years. I just didn't know. So that book comes out. So our very first Ren and Bear book is I Made the Earth. I, I can't tell you how thrilled I am. And then I, then Love Connects Us All is another book, the one I spoke about earlier about family. That's going to be the, the second book in the spring. And then we've got two more coming in the fall. I'm just doing four each year for the two, first two years. But God is opening up doors. And, and I'll tell you the thing that I've, I've learned from, from Victoria Durstock, who launched Endgame Press um, in the middle of a pandemic, who does that, is that when God says go, you go. It doesn't matter the yes. obstacles. It doesn't matter what the world's saying or all the experts. If God is calling you to do it, he will equip you to do it, and he will make a way. And that's how we've approached everything. This is new for me, but and not that I'm not overwhelmed, because I am, but in a good way. I'm so joy-filled about this. <laughs> Oh, no, this is fabulous. And I think, folks, hear, hear what I'm hearing, please. Slow and steady. You're not in a race to beat God in his plan. What you're seeking to do is say, Lord, just give me a place to hold on as I go with you in the plan for my life. And there's going to be times where you're going to, he's going to slow down and don't get impatient. Just know he knows around the corner. 
oh, wait, 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 we've got Ren and Bear is going to be coming and you have no idea that it's going to be coming. And so I'm going to slow this down. It sparked that interest. And then when it's ready, everything is in place. Amen. Because we cannot outdo God, outthink him. We certainly don't want to outrun him. It's impossible and we get exhausted. So do what he has you doing right now. Be obedient to the call. Put it down on paper. Speak it with your voice. That's one thing that I was encouraged to do. I have um, a couple proposals that are going to be going out. Michelle, and one of the things that my friends encouraged me to do, they said, you know, your voice, Linda, it's your voice when you speak to people. And when you, so speak your book out there and record it, record those chapters, record what you would speak into somebody. And then all the other stuff can be taken care of after that. So maybe you're a writer and you love to tell stories to children, speak them out then see what happens down the road in the translation of it, transcribing of it. God, God has that. He has it. He has you. He has you. Why? Because he made the earth. I love that. I made the earth. I love that. I'm going to be looking for that, looking for that one. Well, you have done so much in your career. You have talked about that. You started out as a sports writer. Yes. Do you see when you look back, do you see the little plug and play that God did throughout your life that prepared you for a time such as this? It, uh, yes. And it, only he could have woven all that together to make sense of it. Because if you would have told me when I was fresh out of college that I was going to be writing children's books, I would have went, you are completely nuts. I didn't even want children back then. Like I, that, I didn't, I didn't ever see myself as a mom. Like it was, I'm just telling you, God can come in and transform your heart in such a way that you don't even recognize yourself. And so I'm thankful for that because I would have been this career woman and I'd probably be very, very miserable at this point. I would have, I would have achieved a lot and been empty, but God said, listen, I can help you achieve a lot and you can be full. And then you can share all of that, all of me with everybody else. What a better plan. So yes, as a sports writer, who knew that 30 years later, I'd be writing a book. Um, I, with Del Didway, a good friend of mine, we wrote the heart of a Hoosier. And it, it's, it's a, here's what we did. We made it a crossover book. We couldn't do a devotional. We wanted to do a devotion based on the great Indiana men's basketball moments for, for IU. I'm an Indiana University grad. And okay. there's such a historic basketball program. And Dell is an amazing sports writer. So we partnered together to do this book. We basically wrote a devotional without the prayer and the scripture. It's every it's the, it's a devotional. It's written exactly like it. You've got the key thought. We tell the story. We do the, you know, the encouragement. And then we have the takeaway. And here's how you implement it. We just don't have, we just were not allowed to put this prayer or the scripture in, but we paraphrase the scripture a lot because a lot of the things that people think aren't in the word are in the word. They think it's just, right. you know, a nice little expression. We're like, no, that's actually from Proverbs. <laughs> so <laughs> we to, it's true. So we were able to just write this devotional without it being a devotional and, and uh, had a state university, um, Red Lightning Books, which is a division of Indian University Press, publish it. See, God can do those things. I didn't know that that sports art would come in handy, but it sure has. And Dale and I partnered together on another little children's book called uh, S's for Sports. We're looking for a publisher. But I think I think God will enter. He will just, he will weave things together in a way you could never have imagined. It'll be way better than you could have ever dreamed. You just got to trust the process. Mm, trust the process and the processor. Amen. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what we do. I mean, his shoulders are so much bigger than we could ever imagine ours to be. This is fantastic. As we wrap up, 
I know you have a book that's going to be coming out uh, later in the, I guess, middle of the summer. Yes. And it's called I Love You to the Sun and Beyond. That's right. Just it's touch on that for just a moment. I yeah. know. Stokes, the one I mentioned earlier, that his little boy Boone calls me Aunt Michelle. He and I have been great friends and we met at Blue Ridge many years ago that, you know, lots of lifelong friendships are formed at Blue Ridge and that's where we met. And so we've kept in touch and we decided, he said he wanted to do children's books. And so we got together and, and just really kind of brainstormed a couple of years ago. And this book's been on the back burner for that long. And we finally finished it. And I, our agent, Kyle Young, shopped it and Sky Pony, a division of Simon & Schuster is publishing it. It comes out July the 5th and it's great. It's my, it's my first uh, venture into nonfiction for children in the general market. This book, again, is packed with love and it's a cuddle up book, but there's lots of learning. We take actual like the wonders of the world and ge uh, geographic locations and things that uh, famous historic people. And then we do this comparison thing where the parents and the children are saying, I love you more than this, like deeper than the Mariana Trench. And then we have facts about each of those the various places. So the, the, the child and the parent probably are going to learn things, but what they're going to learn, the, the great heart message is that how much they are loved by that person that's reading it to them. So it's, it's just a, it's kind of a win-win and we cannot wait for it to come out. <laughs> oh, me too. I have many, many grandchildren. So I'm yes. looking forward to it coming out as well. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being on with us today, folks. I've got links, of course, in the show notes and where you can find Michelle, where you can also find, she um, has some online courses for writers where you can find that. There's also some free resources. You're going to have access to that in the show notes as well. Storytime with Michelle, resources for teachers, with, which also parents can use. Yes. Go there, take a look, download them, use them. And then, of course, let Michelle know that you loved them. I encourage you greatly to do that. And Michelle, you have, you have blessed us. Thank you for taking precious time out of your day. And I look forward to having you back on here again. Oh, anytime. Thank you so much. I'm a big fan. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And thank you, friends, for joining us. If you would, please take a moment to share this podcast with another writer or two. And take the time. Give us a star rating. Post an episode review. And then hit subscribe. I greatly appreciate what you have to say as much as what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on your best writing 